Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief. Today, we're introducing a three-part series that examines the perspectives and practices of CEOs as chronicled in the annual PwC CEO survey. Other segments in the series are going to look at the particular findings on matters of cybersecurity and climate change. But this conversation, though, examines the mixture of optimism and opportunities CEOs are seeing at this stage. And to discuss the findings, I'm joined now by Kate Ferber. She's the partner and BC Assurance Leader at PwC Canada here in Vancouver. And to discuss her experiences and observations, we've invited Tamara Vrooman, who's the CEO at YVR. Good to see both of you. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for the invitation. Nice to be here. Uh, Kate, uh, start off a little bit on on um, taking a look at how attitudes and outlooks among CEOs have shifted during this time, during the pandemic. Yeah, sure. So our surveys have shown that between 2018 and 2020, CEOs were increasingly pessimistic about prospects for economic growth. And in fact, mm -hmm. it hit an all-term low in 2020, and that survey was actually conducted prior to the pandemic. This year, however, sentiment has rebounded with 72% of Canadian CEOs expecting global economic growth to improve over the next 12 months. And it's even more optimistic amongst BC CEOs with 78% of BC CEOs expecting global economic growth. Yeah, do, you, do you find that a little surprising that in this very challenging time that there is this enthusiasm almost here? Well, CEOs are bullish about their organization's growth with most expecting increases in revenue and profitability. And if you think mm -hmm. about it, coming from the shock of 2020, it's arguable that a bounce back was inevitable, especially as vaccines roll out and certain markets begin to reopen. However, it may also show that the resiliency businesses have demonstrated in the past year is translating into confidence about the future. Tamara, you've, you've had among the most tumultuous years of any CEO, I can imagine. Um, and, and yet, you know, you, you, have, you have to walk through this and, and uh, try to sort through it all. Tell me a little bit about your perspective on the year and, and in a lot of ways, what these changes have done. Certainly, uh, 2020 was a pretty grim year. Uh, you know, our, our passenger volumes really were as bad as most people uh, think they were, down anywhere from 88 to 91 percent over wow. where they were pre-pandemic. So hard wow. to run an operation or a business with that kind of revenue and business uh, drop-off. But, you know, to the point about being more optimistic in the future, we know that wanting uh, to travel again, we know that uh, staff are, are wanting to uh, experience the pleasure of working in person uh, again. Mm -hmm. And we also know that people have reassessed priorities a bit from a workforce point of view. We know that people are looking for a change in their career. They're assessing what's important and what's not. And so just like we see pent up demand and likely inflation, across all parts of our economy, including travel, I think we're going to see labor market inflation as well as uh, the best of our organizations look to contribute even more, uh, not waste, make up for lost time, if you will, and uh, are also looking for meaningful, uh, purpose-driven, I think, values-aligned employment opportunities. Those, that, that's a, a wide range of learning in all of this uh, in a fairly short short period, right? Um, so how, how do you feel 
that all of this learning can be applied? Well, I think that many of the things that we saw that were question marks pre-pandemic, uh, in our case, uh, you know, thinking about uh, our business and some of the needs to digitize and use more data to improve passenger and cargo flow and logistics, the climate challenges that aviation faces and the need to be competitive as a region, uh, both regionally, nationally, and globally. Those were all factors at play pre-pandemic. The pandemic has just really laid them bare. And as I say to our folks here, it's not very often in your career that you get an opportunity, in this case, a requirement to take a couple of steps back, look at a company and its operations end to end in order to take that ne next step forward. And that's absolutely what the pandemic has required us to do. And so many of the things that we're putting in place with a huge amount of optimism around uh, 2022 and beyond are frankly things that we probably would have done in 2019, started to do in 2019, but they would have taken three to five to seven years as opposed to three to five to seven uh, months. And so the pace has accelerated and therefore uh, I think the need to adapt to that change has accelerated as well. But Kate, as the, as the report itself indicates, the, the optimism is really not enough here. No, you're right. I mean, I wish it was, um, but it but it's not. Companies really need to have a strategy to turn that optimism into opportunity. And, and what we're seeing is CEOs are positioning themselves for long-term success by focusing and investing in key priorities. And our, and our survey shows that in the, in the short term, Canadian CEOs have said they'll prioritize organic growth as well as operational efficiencies to drive growth in the next 12 months. But then looking over the longer term, when we asked CEOs what their priorities would be over the next three years, they indicated that investment in workforce mm -hmm. and continued transformation is going to be critical. In fact, 75% of Canadian CEOs surveyed plan to focus their investments in leadership and talent development. It was actually 81% in BC CEOs and 71% plan to focus their investments in continual digital transformation. And as Tamara points out, there's, no, there's not really a surprise that digital transformation continues to be a priority. If you think about the reality of the past 14 months, many, of, many organizations have had no choice but to accelerate those transformational goals. Uh, but now organizations have got the opportunity to leverage those strategic investments in digital transformation and really differentiate themselves in meaningful ways with either customers or employees. I know you, you said earlier that CEOs are generally bullish people. They, they have to be. They have to be real optimists. But these are large pieces to, to bite off all at once, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, there, there are significantly, these are significantly large pieces to bite off. And like I say, there is a lot of optimism. There is a lot of pent up demand and companies really need to be prepared to capitalize on those growth opportunities. Yeah. Tamara, the, it, how is the pandemic, though, a, an opportunity to reset priorities when you've got all of this other stuff happening? Mm. Well, uh, when your business is down over 90 percent, uh, you know, there's some things you can do, frankly, when it's not as busy. So uh, we've been able to really invest a lot in strengthening our core operations, everything from deferred maintenance that you just can't do when there's literally 28 million people uh, transiting through your building each and every mm. year. Uh, it's given us an opportunity to strengthen uh, some of those operational efficiencies, which will serve us in good stead in, in the future. And then 
to Kate's point, make some uh, investments in that future. So we've been able to create a full digital twin of YVR, the first airport in North America to do that. And we could do that because we could fly a helicopter over the airport at 500 feet because there weren't that many airplanes flying. So we really have taken a glass half full opportunity thought about what the needs of our business are going to be in the future, taking an eye not only from aviation, but from logistics, uh, from cargo movements, and from the digital economy, and made some investments that I think are going to stand us in good stead uh, when we come out of the pandemic. Do you feel like your priorities have actually shifted? I don't think they have shifted so much as solidified and accelerated. So again, uh, did we know we needed to invest less in concrete and more in fiber, uh, to put it that way, in terms of operating a modern airport? We absolutely did. Did we think we could achieve as much as we have achieved in six months pre-pandemic? Probably not. Did we uh, know that we would need to really take uh, climate seriously because we know our airline partners, it's more challenging from a technological point of view to do it in the air. So we have lots of opportunity for improvement in the ground operations side of aviation. But did we think we could accelerate it by 20 years? Well, now we have and in our commitment to be net zero by 2030. So I think we've done it, uh, done the right things, the same things we put, would have done, but just quite a bit uh, more quickly. And also I think with a bit uh, deeper. And when it comes to talent, you know, Kate talked about uh, CEOs talking about talent. I think that's why we see the investment of talent. We're gonna need uh, people to continue to adjust to this transition, to lead it, to identify those opportunities, to adjust uh, as we move forward. Uh, these investments have largely been in modernizing our business. Now we need the people to actually activate it. Between 2018 and 2020, CEOs grew steadily pessimistic about the future economy. This year, confidence is back. But optimism doesn't equal strategy. How can CEOs set priorities that will sustain growth beyond the bounce? Discover more in our 24th Annual Canadian CEO Survey. Kate, let me come to you about what the survey is, is indicating here, because we have changed the dynamic entirely of, of labor uh, throughout the pandemic. And the expectation will be more people working remotely and more employers being able to find people anywhere in the world rather seamlessly now through the digital transformation. So what are CEOs telling you uh, about how it is that they might now approach recruitment and retention with talent? Well, well, I think that's the first thing is with the anticipated growth, we're hearing that the majority of CEOs are expecting to increase headcount year over year. Mm -hmm. And in, interestingly, in BC, in the past year, 49% of BC CEOs reported an increase in headcount, and that compared to 36% nationally. And now that could be because of the makeup of the industries that we surveyed, but I thought that was an interesting observation. And BC CEOs are very familiar with the need to find the right skilled workers. And they also understand that we are not in a market with unlimited talent. In fact, 78% of BC CEOs are concerned about the availability of key skills, and that compares to 71% nationally. And so with the, with the demand for talent so high, CEOs are thinking about recruitment and development a little bit differently. So 
They've commented that they can't just hire their way out of the challenge. They're recognizing the need to have a comprehensive workplace workforce strategy, which includes investing in existing talent as well as hiring. And that investment we're seeing is coming in many forms. It includes investment in lifelong learning and upskilling, as well as investment in employee experience, including, and, and this has been particularly important in the pandemic, but investment in the promotion of well-being programs. And so when we asked CEOs to say which aspects of their workforce strategy they'll change to improve competitiveness, Canadian CEOs said they're more likely to focus on workplace culture and well-being than CEOs globally. Well, interesting. Uh, uh, Tamara, the, the, um, the enormous changes that you've been able to make in very short order um, have also, you know, a, a corollary on them, which is that not everybody loves change rapidly, right? Like some people, some people like their patterns. They, they like all that. So what are the signals you think that CEOs need to make to their workforces as they're moving through another stage here? Well, I think just like we've accelerated the uh, investment in the future, as we've been talking about, we also have to accelerate the pulse checks and the data that we collect to make sure that our uh, our workplace and our teams are moving uh, at, at the at the speed of trust, as we say, that uh, that allows them to execute change. So where we maybe did employee well-being and engagement and diversity surveys uh, once a year we're now doing them once a month and publishing mm -hmm. all of the data transparently. It's not just a curated subset, comments, unfiltered completely so that we've got a transparent echo uh, to make sure that we're keeping uh, pace with the needs. Because th these are very challenging times, right? Not just for the workplace, but the home place as well. And so being able to create an environment where employees feel they can bring their whole selves to work that we're responding to their needs, which frankly might be changing and they might not even know what they are yet as we work our way through what hopefully are the, the, the dying days of the pandemic. These are not easy times. And I, I do hear colleagues talking a lot about making these extraordinary investments in well-being and emotional wellness and mental health as if they're going to differentiate. I actually think they're going to become uh, the basics. You will need to have these in place in order to be a credible uh, place of employment for good people. And so these won't be nice to haves, they'll be must haves. And I think we actually have probably quite a ways to go to understand the nature and depth, variety, diversity that those investments need to, uh, need to take. So as a CEO then, does it mean that you have to, in a way, flip some of the organization around so that this is now the, the, the core value and not simply a bit of an adjacent value of the organization in, in making sure that you can strengthen uh, the well-being of, of your workforce. We've certainly seen in the studies and the research we've done with our own uh, people here at YVR, as well as looking to, to research uh, from similar organizations around the globe, that uh, being a purpose-led organization is very important. As people have come through the pandemic and all that it has entailed, sometimes quite significant personal hardship and suffering, as I said at the outset, 
we find that our employees are really taking stock and saying, look, if I'm going to spend my time, which I now understand is maybe a little bit more fragile than I thought uh, pre-pandemic, it has to be doing meaningful work that speaks to me and that is valued and that I'm valued in doing. And so I do think that when we heard that CEOs were not that pessimistic or not that optimistic about economic growth going into 2020, that also probably said it was a bit of a buyer's market from an employer's point of view. As we come out the other side, it is going to be a seller's market. And so yeah. employees are have the power here uh, in sure. terms of sure. the value of their labor and their ability to their ability to export it worldwide uh, due to the technology that we have. So we're not just competing for top. So the good news is we uh, maybe have a broader labor pool than we have had at other points in the past in our region. The bad news is we probably have a broader labor pool than we've had uh, at past for our region. So we really need to be globally competitive talent magnets and those kinds of investments will, will bear fruit if we can in fact make them in a credible way that resonates with our people. Yeah, I'm not being facetious, but some people will feel like they're doing you a favor to, <laughs> to, to be employed. Um, Kate, I, I want to get uh, into into concluding our conversation a bit about looking at some of the the real focus that needs to happen here for CEOs in order to seize the opportunities that are that are available to them. What are they What are they beginning to focus on? Do you think? What's the survey telling us? We've we've covered a number today, but our, our survey is highlighting a, a number of key areas where where CEOs need to focus. And I would say the first one is is the basis of the conversation today around their workforce strategy. So the need to attract and develop and and retain staff to capitalize on on the growth opportunities. And then I would say continued investment in digital transformation. And, uh, and also the management of the risks related to that digital transformation. So if you think about the rise of cybersecurity and privacy risks, and then I would say, finally, we've not touched on it much today. Tomorrow's mentioned it a couple of times, but another area of focus coming out of our survey is climate change and the importance of ESG. And this, this area is increasingly important to many stakeholders, including investors, employees, and customers. Um, so that again is another area of focus. Yeah, Tamara, I want to get some concluding thoughts from you about what you feel are the elements of a successful focus in the time ahead. I think a successful focus is uh, absolutely uh, in in parallel with what Kate just said. Uh, you know, uh, all any CEO really has at their disposal. Uh, if you don't have uh, good people to activate the digital investments or the data or the efficiencies, of course, you won't be successful going forward. And I do think that just like the global pandemic has taught us how small the world actually is, coming out of the pandemic, uh, companies that maybe had a bit of protection and benefit from being out here on the West Coast and uh, and away from some of the other uh, centers are going to feel the effects of global competition, in particular for uh, for talent and the ability to innovate. And if we are not thinking of ourselves and really benchmarking ourselves to our global competitors, uh, I do think that we'll be less successful than we need to be or that we have the potential to be. Um, a personal question to, to end, and I mean, you've, you've had such an extraordinary career and been praised every step of the way 
but even you must have felt in the last year like the pandemic uh, altered some of your some of your precepts about how to manage, how to be a CEO. How, how do you think it's changed you, Tamara, as a leader? I think it has definitely uh, made me, uh, I hope, uh, a bit more humble and, and a bit more human. Uh, that the, the fact that uh, we can be as brilliant as we want with our strategies, but they can be grounded literally uh, by a global uh, virus uh, for many, many months means we have to really understand the values of our organization, why it exists and for whom, and to get back to basics quite quickly and focus on them. I found that I've needed to be a bit more patient, uh, certainly uh, increased my uh, empathetic viewpoint to make sure that I really am understanding the lived experience of uh, those who I work with and uh, taking that to, into account in my decision-making. So. I think that, again, just like the pandemic itself, many of these things I hope were in my leadership practice pre-pandemic, but the pandemic has tested them and made me double down on the things that are really important, which is really leading with values, being open uh, to feedback myself as a leader, because I don't have all the answers, and really, uh, when it comes down to it, focusing on that which is most important, uh, which is the people. I don't think any of us are going to be able to forget this, right? Not soon. <laughs> okay. Tamara Verman of YVR and Kate Ferber of PwC. It's been a great conversation. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Chris. Reminder, our other two parts in the series will focus on cybersecurity and on climate change. So watch them too. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at BIV. Thanks for watching.